Oh God, we pray right now you speak to our hearts. You say what you want to say, Lord. You scrub what you want to scrub, Lord. If there's anything in there that you don't need saying today, just tell me. God, just speak to our hearts, we pray this morning. Jesus, our hearts are just, they're wide open, God. We just want to hear from you and receive from you. And we love you and we bless you. Jesus, you are so fantastic. Hallelujah. My God, my God. Hallelujah. To whom shall you compare me and to whom shall you count my equal? Hey, when you hear those words, when God says that, there's just no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you. Praise God. Well, I just want us to go to some well-known verses this morning from Luke chapter 1. I'm going to focus in at some point during the course of this on on just a verse that I felt the Lord highlight to me that I've read before. Do you ever get that? You know, you read. This is why I mean, you know, the Bible, you never exhaust it, do you? You must, you know, I'm sure many of you have read it many times over and you see something. You think, man, I've never really noticed that. I've never really seen that. And it's so good when God speaks to your heart like that and shows you something fresh. But John, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 1 the context, uh, the background, if you like, just to fill you in. I'm sure you'll know it, but just to remind you, and in case maybe at home you're watching and joining us for the first time, but John the Baptist has just been born, and, uh, and uh, Jesus is soon to be born. And Zechariah, John's dad, is, is, is filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 67, we'll read this in a minute. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins... To prophesy, and he begins to prophesy about the birth of Jesus. And there's a couple of verses in there when he begins to prophesy and speak over his son as well. But the focus in the in the main is about the birth of Christ, that what we would now call Christmas, that first Christmas. And it says, and his father Zechariah, that's John's father Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, verse 67. Luke 1, 67, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I like to almost imagine now he's he's cradling John in his arms and he says, and you child, this is where he begins, you will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby The sunrise shall visit us from on high, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way or the path of peace. Zechariah is holding his son in his arms, the one who we read that the Lord has said would be the prophet of the Most High who would go before Jesus to prepare the way. He realizes something. And it's kind of perhaps hard sometimes to imagine just how momentous it was as God begins to come upon him in the Holy Spirit. And he begins to realize something that right now he's standing on the edge or the eve of history, the greatest day in history. 
And sometimes we read this as the Christmas story, but to imagine John as he's standing there, and I, like I say, I like to think of him holding his own son in his arms, and he's looking at him thinking, oh my God, this is the one who's going to prepare the way. We're on the eve of something phenomenal, that Jesus is about to be born. We're on the eve of a moment that prophets, it says, of old, have been prophesying of down the generations, down the centuries. That there was a coming Messiah. They didn't know exactly when. They didn't know all the details, sorry, of exactly when. They didn't know all the exact details of how. But believing through the generations that one day he would come. You'll know that in the Old Testament, the, the prophets were the voice of God to the people. And so generation after generation had lived waiting and longing for and wondering when God would fulfill his promise that he'd been speaking through the prophets of old. That this Messiah would come. But there'd been 400 years of silence. 400 years of no word from heaven. 400 years of nothing more on the fact that one day he would come. No further detail, no understanding. The last prophet in the land was a guy called Malachi and he died 400, some 400 years ago. And so 400 years of silence, no word from heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't do so great with waiting. You know, there's certain things that I believe that God spoke to me about and promised over my life. And I'm like, God, when are you going to do it? Imagine generation after, I mean, what would be going through your mind? And now imagine you're Zechariah as you're standing there. And all of a sudden, after 400 years of silence, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and begins to cause you to prophesy about the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And you're realizing this is the moment that we've all been waiting for. That my ancestors and everyone who's gone before me have been waiting for. That God is about to do it. And God begins to speak and he says this. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people. Verse 68. And in verse 78 it says. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Jesus the Messiah was about to visit. And that word visit and visited is really important that we understand the significance of that. Because it wasn't God was saying, Jesus is just going to pop in and see how you're all doing. You know, like I'll come home from work or whatever and I'll say to you, have you had a good day? Yeah, I visited my mum. You know, we caught up and, and stuff like that. That's not what the word visited means there. In the original language, it means this, to visit personally. But it has the idea, a strong idea of seeing someone you love in distress and intervening personally to relieve it. So it's more than I'm calling in to see how you're doing. It's when you see someone you love in distress and you step in in person to do something about it. Now, a couple of winters ago, uh, I didn't really plan very well for the level of oil that was in our oil tank at home. And uh, it was January time, I remember it well, and it was freezing cold. It was a proper cold snap. We'd had, it was January or February actually. We had some snow, you know, and, and it was hanging around. It was that funny year when we even had a bit like in April, you know, March and April. And it was proper cold. And, and I had that wonderful moment where the radiators didn't get hot. And, and you're thinking, oh, what's going on? Come on, you silly system. And then you realize, oh, it's you, you silly man, because you've not put any oil in the tank. And we've got the airlock and everything that comes like that. Obviously, you know, being well-versed in DIY, I wanted to try and do something about it. And 
discovered that, yeah, the oil tank was empty. The wife, the word of wisdom came to me, have you dipped the oil tank? And, uh, you know, I checked it and there was nothing there and it was, it was cold. And uh, I run, we rung around, you're trying to get oil deliveries and no one was available on that kind of short notice because it was proper cold and everyone was having the same idea. And uh, should have been one of the sensible ones who filled up in the summer. And uh, there was no one available. I remember putting a little post on Facebook, just like, does anyone know of anywhere we can get any oil? You know, one of those appeals that we all do these, that all so many people do these days. And uh, put them on Facebook. Anyone know a good window cleaner? That kind of thing, you know. Anyone know where I can get any oil? And, and someone kind of, few suggestions and stuff like that. And I'm trying to do it. And I get these like lovely messages that start coming through and little comments, you know. I hope you get sorted soon. Thank you. You know, any joy? No. How are you doing? Cold. <laughs> How are you? Cold. And then I had a friend who rung me up, and, he, and he, he has his own business. He doesn't come to church. And he said, listen, he said, I know I use a place where I can go. And he said, and, I, and you can fill up your own drums of oil. I use them for my business. And he said to me, he said, I'm going to sort you out. And, you know, he got, in his, he got in his van. He took his drums of oil. He went to the place. He filled these drums of oil up, drove to my house in his van in the middle of his working day, came up my garden, wouldn't let me even carry him, tipped him in, filled me up, and got me up and running. And that is the kind of idea of what it means here to visit. It's the idea that when you say, it's more than I'm going to send a card or a message, it's when you call in in person to do something about what you see going on. When someone you love is suffering in some way and you personally want to help them and it means you're so moved by their situation, you personally get involved in providing a solution. And verse 78, that's why it says there, this all happened because of, quote, the tender mercy of our God. That word tender there actually speaks of our bowels and our heart. And you're thinking, what's that got to do with anything? It simply means this. It means that God, the Christmas story is this, that God was so deeply moved, deep within himself, that he threw his heart into doing something about it. One quote said this, God has not merely pitied us from a distance or sent some relief by other means. He himself has visited us. He was so moved that he personally came, verse 68, to redeem us. Verse 69, to save us. Verse 71 and 74, to deliver us from our enemies. Verse 77, to forgive us our sins. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon Zechariah, he begins to prophesy because he realizes the moment that's on the way. God is so moved deeply within himself. He's about to throw his heart into this and he's going to do it by sending the Messiah. Jesus is coming and he begins to realize, oh my life, what we would now first call Christmas. Salvation is on its way. Redemption is on its way. Deliverance is on its way. Forgiveness is on its way. And he says, the sunrise from heaven, from on high, shall visit us. And that's the verse that just grabbed my attention. Anyone else ever really noticed that before? The sunrise shall visit us from on high. And I'm like, God, the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Different versions of have different kind of ways of expressing that, and I'll read them to you in a moment. But there are many titles for Christ, but I never really noticed that one. The sunrise shall visit us from on high. Other translations put it like this. I think this is beautiful. 
This is what happened that first Christmas. The rising sun will come to us from heaven. God's sunrise will break in upon us. A new day from heaven will dawn upon us. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. It literally means that the birth of Christ, Christmas was like the break or the dawn of a new day. For me, friends, that is a beautiful picture. It's like the moment when the rays of sunshine first appear on the horizon and the shafts of light begin to pierce the darkness. This was how momentous was the coming of Christ. It says in verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide our feet into the way of peace. And I think the dawn or the sunrise, the dawn of a new day or a sunrise, is a beautiful picture of the birth of Jesus. Because to me, it's a picture so symbolic and rich and full of meaning. And you know, it's just like God to do this, isn't it? Because when this word was in my heart, and I've been preparing it over the last couple of days, I had a funny moment this morning. I walked into my I walked into my bedroom and I thought, you know, just out the shower and I thought the curtain's half open. And, and, you know, and I thought and I thought to myself, I thought, you know, oh, great. Someone's left. So your first thing is like, I've just got out the shower, you know. So I'm like, who's left the curtain open? So I quickly just walked down to the end, whipped the curtain across and shut the curtain, was about to get dressed when upon the curtain flew back and my wife jumped out from behind it. And I didn't even have a clue that she was there because we'd got a bit of a wardrobe situation, floor drobe situation going on down the bottom there. And I didn't realize she was there and she appears. And I, my initial reaction is, what are you doing? And she was like, the sunrise is incredible. And she said to me, she said, Henny, her sister, had, she just sent me this message, picture, look at it. And as she showed it, you know, when God just goes, you're like, oh. I said, do you know what my message is today? She says, no. I said, it's the Christmas sunrise. And that's what we see this morning. You see, when the sunrise, think of that moment when the, the sun begins to rise. One of the most stunning ones I remember was in India at camp. With We went, you know, me and Martin walked up into the mountains. We were in the camp there at India. And that the people would rise early from the camp and climb up the mountain to, to watch the sunrise. It was stunning as it came up over the mountains. The warmth and the light of it as it hit you. The, the symbolism of that feeling of a new day, that that, that hope, that fresh hope, you know, that, that a new day speaks of. The, the way that you begin to see the beauty of things you could never see before in the dark. The, the revelation, if you like, of the landscape and how everything looks different in the light and in the warmth. And how the new day brings fresh perspective. And have you ever noticed how often you, seem, you go to bed and a problem seems huge and you wake up on a new day and perspective has come? We feel better in the light and the warmth of the sun, right? I know we do because I work with Martin. I've never known a man long to go back to Barbados so much in all my life. But how do we, you know, lockdown one versus lockdown two. Shorter in lockdown two, longer in lockdown one, and yet so many people saying they struggle more in lockdown two. And when you ask them some of the reasons why, of course, the spiritual reasons, but there's also the reason that people say, I just miss the warmth and the light of the sun. Getting out, feeling it on your back, sitting in the garden. And when there's light, we're able to do so much more. You know, friends, if you need fresh hope, I believe that Jesus is the sunrise. 
You need a change of perspective. Jesus is the sunrise. That problem seems so big. Jesus is the sunrise. You can't see the way. He's the light. He'll cause you to see things in a way that you couldn't see before. He'll be able to help you. It's the dawn of a new day. That's what Christmas speaks of. The definition of the dawn of a new day is a new beginning, a fresh start, an important turning point. That's what Christmas made possible. A new beginning, a fresh start, an important turning point. Point to know the sunrise, to know the very one who changes the landscape of our lives. You know, I want to share a little testimony with you, and and you know that that so encouraged my heart. And I, I share this with you to give glory to God. Please don't think I'm sharing it because I was a part of it, but because it so encouraged me. But just you know, last week uh, I felt in the first service God give me a word about a new day. A new day. And then I read that this week. And then this has happened. And you're like, God, I think you're saying something. And I shared that last week. And you just share what it is. And when I came to the office on Tuesday, Bridget, I just want to share something with you to encourage you. And a, a big family friend of Amanda's, Bridget's, Babs's, you know, who they've known for years, who lives in Kent, I think it is, isn't it, Amanda? Yeah. Lives, lives in Kent. And, and Amanda shared the meeting with them, you know, just to, you know, to, to share that Bridget had been sharing God's word. You know, I don't think Bridget would send it herself. And so Amanda was like, I just want to encourage you. And, you know, they'd grown up together, been through youth group together and everything I understand. And if I'm right, if I'm, you know. And so Amanda was just like, I just encourage you and everything like that. And the message, if I'm trying to get this as right as I can. So ladies, correct me if I'm wrong. But the message came back that, as this lady had watched it, she felt very stirred by this word about a new day because there was a lady in her church who has a son who's 17 who is very, very poorly with leukemia and had been transferred to a hospital in London. They'd had to give up work to look after him because they'd been so poor. So financially, they were really struggling. Uh, not only that, but when he was transferred to the hospital in London, they said, "There's no, you can't stay with him. There's no way we can put you up. And so they were separated from their son without provision, without being able to be with their son. And this lady, their friend, as she watches it, feels God begins to speak to her and says, this word is for your friend in church whose 17-year-old son is poorly. And she thinks of this friend in her church and her son and sends it to her and just says, I feel that God said, this word is for you. And as she sends it to her, she just prays, God, if this word is for her, what will the significance of a new day mean? And she begins to pray, show her what will the significance of a new day be? The next morning, a financial gift comes in from someone in church that she had no idea. And the hospital ring and say, we've found a private suite and there's provision for you guys to come and stay with your son. And I think, well, that's my God. He's the sunrise. He's the new day. And God just undertakes like that. I think it's a beautiful thing that Jesus is able to bring about. And this was the most significant new day that became possible that Christmas because he shines light into the darkness. And the most powerful thing, of course, is it was light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. You know, to sit in darkness and the shadow of death there is symbolic of, of to speak. To be stuck in your sins. But Jesus' birth would show the way out. It's the darkest place to be. Because it's a situation that none of us can do anything about. And you know in the shadow of death. With death looming large. The fear and uncertainty of it. That first Christmas the sun rises. And visits from on high. And into the darkness of sin. And the shadow of death shines the light of forgiveness. And freedom. And hope. Wow. Into the light of the darkness of sin 
and the shadow of death. At the coming of Christ. At the sunrise. The light of forgiveness. And freedom and hope. Came over the horizon. A new day. Was coming. Born to die on a cross. One of redemption, salvation, deliverance. And forgiveness of sins. Can anyone else like me remember the day. The light shone into their life. Into your darkness. You began to see things differently. You began to see things in a good way. You saw things you could never see before. And in another way, you saw things for what they really were. Spurgeon described the blessing of Christmas. Christ's birth like a caravan in the desert. Now, when we say that these days, I'm not talking about like the Bailey Ranger that we all go to one event in or something. But the camels and everything that would trek through the desert. And he says this, imagine a caravan in the Middle Eastern desert which has long lost its way and it's famishing. The sun has long gone down. The darkness has caused everyone's heart to droop. All around them is a waste of sand and Egyptian darkness. They must remain and die unless they can find the track. They feel themselves to be in a fearful case for hungry and thirsty. Their soul faints in them. They cannot even sleep for fear. Heavier and heavier the night comes down and the damps are on the tents, chilling the souls of the travelers. What is to be done? How they watch. Alas, no star comforts them. At last the watchman cry, the morning cometh. It breaks over the sea of sand. And what is better, it reveals a heap which had been set up as a waymark. And the travelers have found the track. The day spring has saved them from swift destruction by discovering the way of peace. The sunrise not just speaks of salvation, but of guidance. In him we find the way or the path of of peace, as some versions put it. How our world is craving peace. How we long to be on the path and to know the way of peace. The message version says he is showing us the way, one foot at a time, down the path of peace. In those decisions, in those dark moments, Jesus guiding our feet onto the way of peace. Possible because he came that Christmas. Jesus is the sunrise. On the first Christmas morning, someone said the sun began to shine in Bethlehem. And from that sunrise, the sun still shines 2,000 years later. You know, as I finish, I just want you to know this morning, he's done all this and the sun has risen upon your life. If you know him this morning. For these reasons, verse 74, that you might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all your days. Verse 74 to 75. You know, people are often asking this question. What is God's purpose for my life? Why am I here? Well, we find a revelation of that in that first Christmas. In the birth of Jesus. His ultimate purpose for you is this. That you might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him. For all your days. I want you just to take a moment as we begin to wind up to reflect on that. And in your heart, ask yourself, am I fulfilling my purpose? Am I serving him? You know, he didn't save any of us to sit on the sidelines. It don't, I don't want it to sound like a cheesy throwaway line. But friends, we can all do something for him. 
One of the best things we can do is stop thinking about what we can't do and start thinking about what we can and begin there. It's often been, I can't do this, I can't do that. What can you do? Because we can all do something for him. I also want to encourage you to think about, am I making sure that I'm serving him above and beyond anything else in my life? Second question I want to ask you this morning is this, am I struggling with any fears that are holding me back or stopping me from going on with him and serving him? Thirdly, I want to ask you this question, am I living a holy and pleasing and clean, righteous life? The life he saved me to live. Is Jesus happy with the things I'm doing, saying, watching, listening to, the places I'm going? Because Christmas story says this, that Jesus came to save you for purpose. Please turn to the person next to you and say, you were saved for purpose. But to fulfill that purpose, you must serve him. And serve him without fear. And you must live a holy and pleasing, clean and righteous life. I want you to consider something as we finish this morning. You know, whenever someone comes to visit, what do you have to do? Let them in. Not at the moment you can't, I know. But We'll just pretend we're not in a COVID situation for the benefits of the closing of my sermon, okay? <laughs> Don't spoil it just as we're getting to the... I don't know, maybe you're watching at home today, maybe you're sitting in the room and you've never done that before. You know, the Bible says that he stands at the, and knocks on the door of our heart. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I read that this week in my, as I've been reading through the Bible this year and it just hit me. You know, it says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, people, you've got to hear his voice. I just felt, you know, maybe this morning that's people watching at home or in the room. You hear his voice. You know God's speaking to you. And God's saying, today's the day to open the door. Today's to be a new day. Open the door and let him in. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Secondly, maybe you've already opened the door, but today he's visiting to ask you to get your heart right. Maybe he's just coming and nudging and saying, are you still serving me? Are you sitting on the sidelines? Are you free from your fears or are you struggling with them? Are you living the holy and righteous, clean and pleasing life I've called you to live? A famous 19th century preacher told the following story. I have read that near the North Pole, the night lasting for months and months, when the people expect the day is about to dawn, some messages go up to the highest point to watch. And when they see the first streak of day, they put on their brightest possible apparel and embrace each other and cry, Behold the sun. And the cry goes throughout all the land, Behold the sun. On that first Christmas morning, the sun began to shine in Bethlehem. And from that sunrise, the light still shines 2,000 years later. The light from the manger has encircled the world, setting free those who sat in darkness and giving hope to those who could not find their way home. Behold the sun, S-U-N. Behold the sun, S-O-N.
Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you and thank you that the sunrise has visited us from on high. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. If you're at home, you know your heart, you feel, I want to respond. Don't ignore that feeling. Ignore that prompting. That's, that's, you feel it. You hear it. That's God knocking on the, the door of your heart this morning. Drop us a comment. Let us know. Come and talk to us. If you're in the service and you're saying, I, I want to open this door for the first time, come and talk to one of us. And it'll be our privilege, both at home to connect with you or in the room, to, to, to just be a part of, of a new day, the greatest day, best day in my life. The day that Jesus came into it and the sun rose. Amen. 